So settling in, and it takes a while, coming through the irregularities of the energetic system. You can feel tired, sometimes people can't sleep or find it difficult to sleep, or you get headaches, or you feel disoriented. And uh, yeah, this is because you're very changing you know, from perhaps changing from one mode of operation to another mode, from uh, one speed to another speed, one situation to another situation. These things are not small things, so you get this lot of moving around. Um, But in that you can also uh, realize the need for uh, orientation, strong orientation, and an inner orientation, or you might say an orientation that's in your own body rather than in the world around you, which is our kind of fundamental um, displacement, is we are very much orientated, oriented by signs, uh, structures around us, by time, numbers on clocks, by routines. In other words, we're organized by phenomena that are not organic, innate, embodied. And so there's that big effect. And now we're going to try to shift back to something that is innate, organic and embodied because this is the only thing that's going to wake up. This is the basis for awakening. It's not anywhere else. But it is a big shift. And I do express sympathy for the aches and pains and confusions and so on that happen um, bear with it if you we are the body is very capable of healing our energetic system is capable of of healing and coming to a much more fruitful place and give it time but we're moving in real time rather than clock time so you can't say hurry up do it now <laughs> it's nine o'clock doesn't believe you so real time is the time it takes to breathe in and breathe out and that changes real time changes it's not it's not um, machine time organic time changes slow fast impulsive and there are layers of it and in the center of that there's timelessness which doesn't change. Okay, so some structures, structural notes, first of all. Mm. Mm. So we have uh, the precepts, they're important, the protocols are important. Your presence is important, your well-being is important, the rest of it, we'll just put it together. So I'm not that good at organizing, basically I've got enough rules to live by to last me ten lifetimes, I'm stacked full of rules, I don't don't think I can bear another rule. I'm crammed with rules. 
I managed to melt it down into something livable, but I can't. So it's um, uh, so I'm not that good at being nine o'clock, ten o'clock, six o'clock, five o'clock, because I just start to get shaky. <laughs> so the structures here are fairly uh, open. Um, there's times it is helpful to have some forms. So we all try to show up at the same time because it just think, keeps things quieter rather than everybody just milling around. And there's a sense of firmness that comes with that. So too much form, you get rigid and you get stupid. Because no. <laughs> you lose your organic intelligence, you just end up like a machine. Not enough form, we tend to get not enough firming up, not enough sense of gathering, the mind spins out. So I really try to use the routines uh, sensibly and wisely for your own welfare and for the welfare of others. So with sort of sense of harmony rather than conformity. Conformity is an outward thing, harmony is an inner thing. Mm. So, um, yeah. So the uh, so we have a few sessions where I'm asking everyone to be here, you know, to receive instructions, to use the, that sense of gathering to consolidate and strengthen for your welfare and the welfare of others. And other times it'll be more well, you know, it's your time, <laughs> it's your life, you know, <laughs> it's your awakening. I don't know, you just, what do you need, you know? What's helpful? You want to sleep all afternoon? By all means, if that's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. um, until you, you know, so just seeing you stand or sit or walk or lie down or move. Um, just keep it contained. Remember, we do have a focus here. So, by and large, if you can, if you're walking, you know, if you can keep your movements around the center, around this place and um, so you're not just straggling out <clears throat> also meditation itself is uh, naturally it's, uh, it's useful to have this word as a kind of umbrella word a word that can contain many things cultivation of awareness sensitivity uh, ethical Concern, um, compassion, stability. Mm. And we have the basic uh, wisdom of embodiment will mean we base it around four fundamental forms, sitting, standing, walking, reclining. Yeah. And I will also um, present some moves or some forms that may help to make those fundamental forms more rich and useful. Um, so some forms that may touch into Qigong uh, movements. Well, I'm not going to teach an extensive Qigong course, but they'll touch into those, that understanding of the inner energy channels and qualities of the body. And these I found very helpful for enriching the sense of presence, the embodiment experience which is the theme of the retreat.
So, <coughs> to touch into that. Classically, we see uh, often the, the description of the body can be in two, two ways. One is, we might say, the external appearance of the body, yeah, which can be a source of uh, kinds of uh, agitation, uh, craving, passion, jealousy, anxiety, uh, self-definition, comparisons, and a lot of, a lot of intense stuff. And the general whole inclination of the Buddhist tradition is to just release that, let go of that, relinquish it. It's not going to be any good or very little benefit. And, uh, you know, where does that go? It's really the outward form of the body is, is for other people, really not, it's not for you, for you because you can't even see it. <laughs> But you can worry about it a lot. And look at other people's outward form, and they look good. But you don't know, but you realize they're probably inside, they don't feel very good either. And normally people feel that good about their bodies. Because um, you can't even, you know, when you get inside it, it's a different experience altogether. And the one you really are with feels, and it, it feels twinges and sore and numb and unbalanced and. Um, warm and so forth, pleasant, unpleasant experiences. So we're discarding or releasing or relaxing or directly pushing away obsession with the outer form of the body. Yeah, not, uh, and focusing on the inner aspect of the body, which is still a form. Rupa form. This is quite uh, special because we have all the different sense organs the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, body, and mind. And if you review those, you see that uh, there's a particular logic in that sequence. The eye is extremely phenomenal that arise in the art for the eye are distant, the space they're out there. You can see things that don't see you. You're removed from them. It's very good, the eye is very good for the hunter. Because it's good at objects, sharp, defining objects in the distance. It doesn't give you any sense of your, of what's happening here. It tells you what's happening there. Hmm? It's the eye. It has no feeling to it. And it tends to operate in terms of a narrow attention span. And this is the sense faculty that is um, in modern life um, accentuated by reading, screens, everything is tends to be seen, object, 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 no feeling. It, you organize things through the eyes, object, feeling, no feeling. doesn't matter what it feels like. And when you're seen as an object, you, you know what that feels like. You, there, you, there, you know. It's, it has no sympathy to it. 
seeing things as an object. Um, the ear faculty a little more is different. The hearing faculty is associated with uh, not so much with the hunter, but with the hunted. What's going on around me? What's happening around me? It's not in front of me. What's around me? It's less object specific. It's more object open, open to what may arise. Sound. Not very good at distance, near, far, but it very easily relates to the mental apprehension of fear, safety. That's what it's for. So a little bit more subjective. And so naturally when we listen deeply to each other, we get a sense of, oh, I'm listened to, she's sympathetic. She's sensitive to my concerns, my joys. It's more empathic. When you get to the uh, nose and the tongue, phenomena that arise in the tongue are not around me, they're in me. And same with the nose, it jumps into you. And jumps into your nose briefly, but when it comes into your tongue, that's going to go down inside you, isn't it? So the tongue, taste sense, very much more subjective, much more sensual. Come to the body as a sense organ. This is very intimate because whatever you touch touches you and it could be a matter of life and death. It could be a warm embrace. It could be a crushing blow. It could be pleasantly warm, painfully hot, pleasantly cool, freezing cold. And it could say very sensitive and immediately responsive jumps quickly, quicker than you can think, it has to. Mm. So the body has uh, its own um, nervous system, autonomous to the brain. It means don't wait until this person figures it out. (laughs) Because this is a, this is more important, more urgent than that. So it's a very quick, sensitive, jumpy and system. It easily apprehends feeling, pleasure, pain to a very fine degree. Extremely you know, connected to emotions. So much so that even we're not physically touching anything, there's still that awareness. If you come into your body, you're aware, how do I feel about being here with 50 other people? Nervous? Uncertain? That would seem quite normal to me. Not frightened, but certainly, hmm, what's going on? Am I okay? And you go out amongst the trees, changes, doesn't it? Open space, changes. 
So even if nothing is physically touching you, just the very perception in the mind affects the body. Body and the mind affect each other very, very immediately, irrationally, beyond reason. So you can certainly the experience on retreat, particularly group retreats where we don't necessarily even fully take into account that we'll be sitting with 30, 40, 50 other people. And you start to start to get feelings about other people who you don't speak to. She doesn't like me. She doesn't like me. Everybody thinks there's something wrong with me. You know, it's not called wordless uncertainty or feeling of, of nervousness or ill will. Or, in fact, feeling ill will towards other people. You know, I can't stand to see that back in front of me anymore. Why can't he wear a different kind of t-shirt? It's driving me crazy. <laughs> And you feel kind of prickly and nervy and edgy and grumpy and moody and you know, I didn't come here for this. Yeah. <laughs> and then and you want my cushion. It's got to be it's like my space, my zafu. Somebody's moved my zafu. Somebody's standing in my spot. You get kind of childlike, you know, petty, kind of cranky because something isn't quite safe. So you can't over, even though it may seem foolish, you, what's happening is the, the body's sense of what's safe isn't really established. So you get this emotion which is slightly nervy. And then we can't, because we can't necessarily clear that, you start to get cranky. You know, like, why do they have to put this balloons like that? Why does he have to close the door so quick? You know, making big things out of small things because fundamentally the system hasn't been reassured. Yeah. It's like, you'd imagine if we were dogs. Yeah. Imagine we were dogs. You've got 50 dogs in here. <laughs> With bodies, just like, pretty much like our same sort of system. What do you think they do? Do you think they sit on their zafus? No, they go around, sniff each other, wag their tails have a little yap, lick each other, jump up and down. And then when it's all done, they go and sit on their cushions and chew their bones or whatever, or play with each other. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't do that. <laughs> so what occurs is these organic systems kind of have to feel they're comfortable with each other. And then when that's done, business is done, okay, now we can get on with our lives. Yeah. And it's something you can't override so just, am I safe of course I'm safe no no does your body feel that way imagine the space around you do you feel slightly limited held in do you have plenty of space do you have a sense of measureless space where you could really you know your body's not going to grow that much bigger but you can feel really as wide as tall as deep let your that sense expand through your body. Do you feel? Yeah, I have my space. 
Krishna. And this then begins to act as something that allays or quietens down this um, bodily sense whose primary aim is to find, to feel safe. Basically. That's the first impulse of the body because that's the one that's about life and death. And that's the one about life and death. So that's it, that sensitivity is there. And we recognize that also because of there's a synthesis between the body and the mind. Mental signals, emotions, meant so you get this emotion runs two ways. It runs from the body into the mind. Feel nervy, feel sick, feel, feel moody, depressed, angry, upset, whatever. It also runs the other way from the bo- mind into the body. So feeling uh, um, negative about myself, my body doesn't feel right. So we have to work both ways. So the fundamental mental state is to be encouraged, goodwill, warmth, acceptance. Happy with myself as I am. Allowing the mood to be as it is. Non-aversion to the mood as it is. Because it is. So being averse to it doesn't do any good. Feeling the mood as it is. How does that affect your body? When I say your body, it could mean your skin tone. If you're slightly prickly, cold, withdrawn skin. It could be your visceral experience you don't feel you feel you feel slightly cramped or cold in your belly or unsettled could be in your chest you feel slightly withheld in your chest not able to expand breathe easily it could be around your eyes or your jaw or your face so the body is a multifaceted sense organ And these emotional effects will play out in your body. And the very simple um, remedy is to bring the quality of goodwill as if it is touching your body as if it is wrapping your body, as if it is breathing in and out through your body, as if it is filling, bathing your body, shining on your body, 
and goodwill that which does not resist, criticize, censor, edit, or try to improve you in any way. Not trying to improve you or censor you in any way. It's a quality of goodwill. That the feeling, mood we felt, feel it in your body, and you do so, bear in mind, simple exercise we've been form we've been building, the body grounded, stable, receiving these impressions. Now, because this stuff is happening organically, choicelessly, naturally, that's the way it is. That's the way we're built. We experience things, or the body senses things. It, it internalizes those and brings up certain mental tones, safe, unsafe, edgy, pressure, ease, comfort. Yeah, is these mental tones, and then that that can produce more emotions. Come from those min- fundamental mental tones, produce some surges of emotion, and then thoughts come on top of that to justify the emotions, or to specify the emotions. I'm angry because he, she, they, this. Yeah. And then you get other set of, of thoughts, which are really psychologies, which is to do with stop feeling that. That's not suitable. That's stupid. That's improper. That's silly. Don't do it. So you get that another set of emotions and psychologies to try to counteract what you've, what's occurring. So you get this suppressive effect. And this has an effect. Don't feel angry, don't feel bitter, don't feel resentful, don't feel lustful, don't feel guilty, don't feel anything. And so that's what happens. <laughs> and so if you don't feel anything, what happens is that you think a lot to fill the space. It's thinking, 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 because we don't really feel very much or we don't feel the fullness. So we, instead the system goes into thinking a lot, planning, organizing criticizing and still criticizing and editing its own editing so it gets very busy and 
naturally with this we lose the presence of the body altogether we kind of live in this hyper we can live or people do live in a kind of hyper realm of future past other people job future thoughts ideas attitudes which turn into opinions views dogmas positions ideologies conflict So, so this is all the constructed, constructs upwards into this hyper-reality, virtual reality. Deconstruct is the essence of the Buddha's teaching. Complete release is the deconstruction. Deconstruction, that's Nibbana, deconstruct, deconstruct, unconstructed. And there's a graduated process in that. Because you can't just collapse into nibbana. <laughs> because in line with the deconstructing has to be the intelligence to carefully stay intact, present, awake, as you begin to relax certain compulsions, attitudes, biases, opinions, particularly about ourselves. what we should be, what we never will be, what we are, what we aren't. You acknowledge them, how they feel. At first you don't know how it feels. So you come into your body and uh, establish that and that will give you a much clearer and unopinionated understanding of what you really feel what's really being felt Basically because the body speaks our mother tongue. Remember all, all verbal language is secondary. We learnt that from the age of one or two. And we didn't come in with that language. That's all secondary. And that's a very strange language, the verbal language. It's a language that's been moderated and adapted by culture, society, business, science, beliefs, religions, so forth. It's extremely constructed. You recognize, you know, if you ever read George Orwell's 1984, this, he plays this idea of newspeak, where they particularly start to filter out certain words so they no longer exist anymore, like freedom. Yeah. So they just stop using that and use another so they reduce language yeah and that's deliberate now I don't think that's the policy but you do notice if you the media that you're reading you probably won't see the word equanimity there very often <laughs> or dispassion 
or awakening. And even more fundamentally, there's a whole, our experience There are many levels of experience you cannot accurately put a word on, a single word on, but your body can detect. You know, it tends to open, tremble, feel safe, tighten up, feel prickly, feel disorganized, feel comfortable expansive, radiate, even dissolve. There's a whole range of experience that we barely can't can't really find words for. And so, yeah, how are you feeling today? You generally say, I'm okay. (laughs) What? You actually detect it, you really feel it, you see there's kind of shades of agreeable, slightly tired, happy, kind of comfortable, anticipating, a little bit disappointed, there's a whole range of experiences going on. And you don't need to find the words, but to sense it in your body, because this is where the primary language is. And this is the language that most directly is speaking to your awareness, your chitta. Mm-hmm. And we don't really need to even get the words there, but noticing wherever there's a sense of non-settled, over-constructing, constructing, stressing, can that be released? Where in your body can you breathe that out? Where in your body can you find a place where you feel steady, safe, comfortable? Develop that, enjoy that. Get your mind, your awareness to tune into that. So there is a language or an intelligence that is much more accurate than our words, our attitudes, our opinions, and it's here in your body and you don't have to find the words. But there is an intelligence there and it's our chance to awaken that intelligence and to start to you know, feel, listen, sense into it deeply and allow it to work. Now to a good extent, this will happen by itself. If you'd, all your, your primary duty is just to make that available, so to disconnect the abstracting systems, the things that take us out into our thoughts and the future, the past, myself, our opinions, views, projects, and so forth. Disconnect that, come into here, 
in the body using the basis, the root of the body, which is abdominal, lower spine, sacrum, belly, using that as the foundation and establishing that uh, orientation to that area. Breathing, the natural vitality of the body as it breathes through, as this system, as this system starts to work and sends energy through the body. That's our fundamental form. <coughs> and within that, as that occurs, we can notice certain places where we feel disoriented, we feel stressed, um, urgent, pressurized, agitated, negative, uh, lonely, hungry, need, you know, the whole thing. Any of that can be seemingly, it can be seemingly conceptual or emotional, but the basis of it can be dealt with in the body. And what you're doing is you find the place in your body and you dwell in that where it is steady and you begin to tune your awareness into that. And then you extend your awareness to include places, areas, topics, moods, feelings that are afflictive. Extend your awareness to include those. That's it. Don't fix anything. Don't improve anything. Don't edit anything. Extend your awareness to include the places that you're not comfortable in. Not, don't lose your center, but if you'd like, the image can be one of like a, a ball that expands or a balloon that expands to include without losing the center, to include wider areas and keep breathing and letting your energy move from your steady center to your difficulties and back again just like connect connecting them connecting them connecting them and the energy of the health will start to move into the energy of the afflictions and it will bring around changes by itself But it won't happen at 9.15 or 10 o'clock. It'll happen organically. And it may not happen in the right... You know, you might find it's a, got this terrible issue with so-and-so, so-and-so. As you're breathing in and out, and suddenly something in your shoulder releases. What's that doing? Hmm. That's funny, that issue with my friend doesn't matter so much anymore. So it, it doesn't always go the way you think it would.
So there's something quite mysterious about this. And so as you begin to recognize what also we're doing is just putting on hold the governing self, the self that governs, that decides, that changes, that has projects, that has a deadline, that has a strategy, that has learned something, that needs to be something. Putting that one aside, the organizing self and letting things self-organize from a place of awareness embodiment Why we take days, weeks, years to do this (laughs) is because although the the model is very simple, just it takes does take steady, continuing practice and alignment to keep tuning into awareness and to keep centering in that. Everything in our world particularly, in our organized world and our thinking mind will tend to to take over. It will tend to pull out from that open space. The open space of awareness has no self in it, doesn't organize it, doesn't know the future, it doesn't, you know, doesn't have a job <laughs> doesn't make any money it doesn't go to work it doesn't so you know everything that wants to do that you know which we need to do pulls it away and with the various messages time um, success deadlines come in with that so it's just this kind of time to, to align to something else And also we carry past karma. Past karma means that uh, having operated in certain ways, particular modes of operation become habitual. Very simply speaking, not necessarily evil, but just habitual, dogged, persistent, habitual, compulsive. Probably organizing is fairly compulsive. We are, as human beings, we do a lot of organizing, tidy, fix, change, project the future. That's what we do as people. As people. So a huge push, huge inclination to do that. You know, structures, energies, particular synergies, particular synapses in the brain, I'm sure, light up. Those are the pathways that energy rushes down. Clear, let me get it clear, let me fix it, let me make it this way reliably so and this kind of thing does not work 
in terms of uh, awareness. It, 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 it implants a construction. There's a strong habit towards that. And whenever a habit gets checked, the mind doesn't like it. Feels disoriented. Feels frustrated. Feels groundless. What am I supposed to do? What am I going to do? Who am I supposed to be? Tell me what's right and wrong. Where's this going to? How long is it going to take? Where does this work? Why do I make it work? Am I doing it right? Am I not doing it right? What's the problem? It's agitated. Feel the agitation. Come down into your belly. Comforting, breathing in, breathing out. You're still here. You're all right. You're still here. It's all right. Everybody's mind does this. And we have uh, this time to experiment with this. And it's pretty much this pressure to organize to get it clear and establish it. You know? So this is the thing that comes up. Well, if you're sitting here all day, how are you going to run around nowhere? What do you think the rest of the world is going to come to? You can't live your life sitting here all day long. What about a job? What about getting to, what are you going to do for the rest of the world? How are you going to save the planet if you're sitting here all day just pushing, breathing in? What are they going to do as a human being? Well, I've only been sitting here for 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, it starts running like that. You see, well, actually, when people aren't sitting still, what good are they doing for the planet? Generally, they're not doing any good. <laughs> you know, how much running around is actually useful? How much of it is just compulsive? You know, but notice how these sudden issues rush in because you're challenging habits, psychologies, attitudes, worldviews, beliefs. Is it worthwhile just for a week? Switch it off. Just see what happens. if it's real. It'll be there. You can always go back to it for sure. It's very easy to get compulsive. It takes no effort at all. So take time to just, what's it like to not have a deadline, a future, for a week, for a day, for an hour maybe? What does it bring up? Whatever it brings up, here's your body. Here's your belly, here's your breathing, here's the tension in your arms, here's the tension in your fingertips, here's what's happening in the temples of your fore and your head, breathing in, breathing out, widening your awareness to include the soles of your feet, the palms of your hands, the space around you. 
widening into the subtle form to release these energies. So some of that may make sense but probably we'll be returning to themes of this nature time and time again because what's really needed is just reminding, reminding and re-bodying and re-embodying because it's a simple process but it's actually everything or many, you know, all our constructions are going the opposite direction so I just keep coming back that as a final note for the morning's instruction attention so again as a meditation 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 retreat meditators it's quite natural to say well what particular thing do I focus on how do I get my mind to be concentrated and focus on a particular thing instead maintain that that's meditation isn't it what's the particular thing hmm. well the particular thing is the particular thing of the moment hmm. so our particular thing uh, most important particular thing at this moment is the whole body the body is a sense organ centering basically abdominal area make that if you want something that's not a bad place to begin the ground when I say the belly also mean the back the sacrum particularly also mean beneath the belly the gentle area, the lower thighs, the upper thighs. So I mean this whole kind of ball. You know, so it's not just diaphragm, it's the entirety. Go down as far as you can. Go back as far as you can. Go forward as far as you can. Explore something like a sphere. Make it extend. You feel anywhere where it feels hard or withdrawn say it could be where your legs join your body just see if you can breathe out and extend down those areas called the root of the leg where the legs join the body extend that way because these areas get very tied up extend down through the base of the pelvis the pelvic floor this is an area which again gets contracted with fear pressure you know retentiveness relax there Breathe forward. Also, let your belly open backward behind you. This may seem remote. It's not as if it swells very much, but allow yourself to feel the sacrum particularly and the lower back and how breathing affects them. Breathe that you've extended upwards to the base of the diaphragm. Keep trying to keep relaxing the diaphragm and let it be 
moved by the breathing rather than doing the breathing. So this is why I recommend the in-breath being particularly involuntary. So isn't that pull that becomes instinctive? You will breathe in. The body knows how to do it. Just imagine that you're not going to make any in-breath and then it happens. So your diaphragm remains relaxed. And then it will soften. This is a profound effect on your whole nervous system. The tight diaphragm is associated with pressure, tension, urgency, speed. Loose diaphragm associated with relaxation and ease. So this make this your your central point in terms of the external form, the internal form. When the subtle form arises, which is a quality of open, comfortable ease, it will tell you where it wants to focus. It will say, I feel most comfortable round about the centre. And you don't even need to know that anatomically. It will, it will find a place where you will naturally, your, your attention will sit there in that. Mm. And we'll go into more of that later. But overall it's a sense of bringing forward the place where you can, can feel most comfortable and steady and unhooking places which are unnecessary, distracting, taking you out and to be put aside at this time. So you, you simplify and unify your awareness. So let's take a pause there for the day, in terms, well this morning in terms of instruction. I'd like to um, give you a few moments just to loosen up and then I would like to show you some embodiment forms, exercises um, for another half an hour or so. So you can take a few minutes just to loosen up and then we'll go into the next bit. 